1: Not all tradition is bad. Every culture has their traditions. Every culture, every people. You probably have traditions in your home that you celebrate on Thanksgiving or that you celebrate on Christmas. Not all traditions are bad. Some, many cultures have traditions and, and many people enjoy traditions, but some of them, quite honestly, are pretty meaningless and some even funny. And it's amazing how tradition takes on spirituality, Isn't that a trip? John Calvin. In the days of the Reformation, get this, John Calvin would preach in a large old cathedral in Geneva. And when he preached, he wore a felt hat on his head. Over the years, men in the congregation began to wear felt hats. Sometime later, he heard a couple of men arguing about the importance of felt hats. Well, John Calvin walks in and he walks by and they said, Mr. Calvin, tell us why it is essential for men to wear felt hats in church. Well, John Calvin said, well, in reality, I've worn my felt hat in church for two reasons. Number one, this large cathedral is drafty and my head gets cold. Number two, there's a group of pigeons that's lodged in the rafters above the pulpit and I wear it to protect my head. And then they would made spirituality out of wearing belt hats, choir robes, choir robes. Have you ever thought about where the history of choir robes came from? I'll tell you. The Roman Empire, actually back in Rome, pardon me, not the Roman Empire, but it was back in Rome. The choir robes came from Rome. It was actually in the four hundreds. People would wear robes as their normal clothes. As they sang in the choir, they were wearing their normal clothes. But Christians began to realize that people were showing off their normal clothes, which would be robes. Some rich folks had nice robes. Some poor folks had not so nice robes. And so they said, the Christians said, let every man wear white, simple cotton robes so that no one knows who is rich or who is poor. Now, many times the choir would have just finished a meal together. They would celebrate the agape meal and have just finished a meal together. And they would have food on their mouths and food on their teeth and on their lips and so on and so forth in the days where there was no toothbrushes or mouthwash. Or now they got those little cloth things you put over your finger and you just do this. That's weird. (laughs) Go in the bathroom. Folk walk around the mall doing this. I'm like, ha ha. Well, this was before they had these kinds of things. And, And so what they did was they put a stole or a ribbon around the front of the robe to wipe their mouths, to wipe their teeth when their mouths were messy. And as Christians began to move to colder climates, the choir got cold. And so they had bell sleeves added to the robes so they can stick their hands in and warm their hands in the sleeves. Now, today, we believe that choir robes, choirs must have robes with stoles. When in reality, Choir robes were peasant clothes with big sleeves to keep hands warm, a stole to wipe your teeth and your mouth to clean you up. And yet in many churches today, it is something that is sanctimonious and holy and that you must wear a robe if you are in the choir tradition. Interesting. And what happens with tradition, tradition begins to take the place of the word of God and we find ourselves doing things we don't know why we do them. And then what we say is others aren't as spiritual as we are because they don't do what we do when in fact what we do is meaningless and even funny. And yet I project my own liberties or lack thereof on you. And you're not doing what I don't do. Therefore, you're less spiritual than I am. When in fact, none of these things have anything to do with the word of God. Amen, saints. And this is the problem that Jesus is having. So the Pharisees come and they're hassling Jesus and questioning Jesus about man-made traditions. And then notice in verse 3 through 9. Did you pick that up in verse 3? Look at it in your Bibles again. Did you pick this up? Notice this here. Now let me tell you something. You are in bad shape when you ask Jesus a question and he answers you with a question. You can know you got problems coming. <laughs> you understand that? Say amen. That's not a good thing. Now, notice, Jesus, you know, it's almost like I was thinking about this. It's almost like when, you, when, you, when your kids, how many times do you do this? Your kids come to you and they say, they say, Mom, Dad, can I, can I go out to the movies with my friends? And you answer them with a question. You come back with the parental question. Is your room clean? Is the trash out? Is the bathroom clean? Is your homework done? When in reality, I mean, I'm looking for reasons to tell you no. But, but is it, oh, yeah, my room clean? Yeah. My trash done? Yeah. You know, okay. But, but we answer questions oftentimes with a question. Well, Jesus asked them a question. He said, "Why? look at your Bibles. He said, why do you also transgress the commandment of God? Because of your traditions. And then he quotes Exodus 20:12, the Decalogue, honor your father and your mother, and then he quotes Leviticus 20, taking notes, Leviticus 29 verse 9 that says whosoever curses his father or mother let him be put to death. Now, I want you to notice something, you cannot miss this. Jesus used or what did Jesus use? Let me ask you a question. What did Jesus use to combat their tradition? Please say it out loud. Yeah, the word. He used the word of God to combat tradition. He broke their wooden weapons with the sword of the spirit. And the only way for you and I to fight against church tradition, you guessed it, Is through the Holy Scriptures. So Jesus uses the authority of the Scripture and he says, the Bible says this. Notice, but you say, whosoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift of God. And thus you don't need to honor your father or your mother. And then Jesus says, you have made the commandment of God of none effect. What does that mean? Listen, the elders, they taught. If you had something of value, Mark chapter 7, also, if you had something of value, you could use the word Corban. C-O-R-B-A-N, Corban. Corban means that, that, that it's a gift to God. A gift to God. So if you had something of value, you could say, mom, dad, to your parents, mom, dad, you know, mom, dad needs something. And you could say, mom, dad, you know, Corbin, you know, mom says, dad, honey, I need some money. Corbin, honey, I need to live with you. Corbin, honey, can I borrow your car? Corbin, can I borrow your visa? Corbin, it was a gift to God, which then released you from the responsibility of having to give it to them. So the elders were making a commandment that supersedes the word of God in their mind. So you didn't you could just release yourself from the responsibility of obeying God's word. They were finding a theological loophole and making the scriptures of none effect. In verse seven, Jesus said, you hypocrite. The word hypocrite in the Greek language is hypocrite. Easy to remember. It means an actor a mask wearer, or to be two-faced. And Jesus says, Isaiah describes you to a T. You draw near to me with your mouth, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And how many times, saints, do we find ourselves honoring God with our mouth, honoring God with our lips, during worship, going through the motions with no real heart? We call upon the Lord, we sing about the Lord, but our hearts aren't even in the vicinity of the Lord. How many times? Listen, Jesus wants your heart, not just your actions. Amen, saints? He wants your heart, not just what you do. That's why you can give God all the money you want, and it doesn't even touch the throne of God, because he wants your heart not your actions. When he gets your heart, he'll have all your actions. You see, let's be careful as a church, not to draw nigh to God with our mouths and our lips, but our hearts are far from him. So Jesus says, not only are you hypocritical, but you're teaching for doctrine, the commandments of men. This is heavy. Are you seeing that? This is heavy. How sad it is that many churches today are teaching the commandments of men as if it is doctrine and they lay aside the commandment of God. Isn't that true? How many people reject God's word because they are more interested in the traditions of men? And that is where the church is today, you guys. The church is in a bad place today. We are living in a time when the church has rejected the word of God. We believe we are. We falsely believe that we are a Christian nation. We are a post-Christian nation. Did you know? When you reject the word of God, you're not Christian. And we live in a time where people are rejecting the word of God. I remember one time I was challenging a school board a Christian school board to behave in a way that honors the word of God, that does what God's word says to do as it relates to the discipline in their school. And they flat out told me, and I'm telling you this school was, they were legalistic, like I I don't even... I don't even know how I got involved in that. But, but they, were, they were incredibly legalistic, and I knew it. So I'm going to this meeting, and I knew that they didn't like people that had drums in their sanctuary. Oh, my God, if they saw the band this morning, somebody would lose their mind. And so they would just lose their mind. They'd just go crazy, like, ah, I can't believe it. So, you know, but, but and I knew they felt that way. And, so, and I knew they didn't like me because I was more of a contemporary. I was probably watered-down pastor or whatever, you know, seeker. And uh, and so I put on a suit to go meet with these people. <laughs> Y'all don't understand how big that is. I mean, that's big for me. I mean, I put on my good stuff. I'm like, you know, I don't want them to look at my clothes and go, oh, you ain't no real pastor. Look at you. Look at what you're wearing. Because you know, I'd have wore a ball cap and t shirt, sneaks, and sunglasses. I put on my nice clothes. I went to visit with them. I sat down. I said, I understand your position. I said, what I'm asking you to do is to behave in a way that honors God's word, that looks at God's word. Let's look at God's word. I have my Bible. Let's look at God's word. They flat out told me, we don't care what that says. We have our church rule book. I said, well, in that case, I'm out of here. Pastor got to go. Got in the car. Matter of fact, I put on my jeans in their bathroom, in their office. (laughs) That's what you get. Could you believe that? I couldn't believe it. It does happen. See, you don't know, maybe you don't know, because you come here and we try to honor God's word. We try to worship God with a pure heart. We try to stay in the word of God, but not everybody does. There's a lot of churches that don't even believe in the inerrancy of scripture. Calvary Chapel, we believe the Bible is inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God. It is God-breathed, and the Bible is the guideline for... All underscore that we do for all that is right and wrong. Everything that we should do and everything that we do do is should be based on the scriptures. And where the Bible is silent as it relates to a certain area, then we are silent. Otherwise, you wind up making your church stuff doctrines, policies, rule book, playbook. Commandment. Over the word of God. God. If you understand that, say amen. amen. you got to be careful. Now, notice what Jesus goes on to say. Now, here it is. He ties it up. In verse 10, when he called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. Now, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. And then his disciples came and said to him, Jesus, don't you know you're offending the Pharisees? Uh Duh. But when he answered, he said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. Well, that's a word to someone here this morning. You need to cut them folks loose. Let them alone. They are blind leading leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, what saints both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Lord, I don't get it. Jesus. Heavy. Explain the parable to us. So Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Y'all all all understand that. But those things which I'm not going to expound on those verses. All right. (laughs) But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile a man, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So, give me your attention. Jesus turned from the hard-hearted Pharisees to the uneducated multitude, who at least had some common sense. And he said... Hear and understand, or in the Greek language, chew on this. Check it out. Defilement does not come from without, but from within. In other words, Jesus is talking about the heart. The word heart is found 955 times in the Bible. We believe in the heart. We love from the heart. We sing from the heart. We obey from the heart. We give from the heart. No wonder David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. A clean heart. Now, at that time, in fear, the disciples said, Jesus, do you know that the Pharisees were offended? I'll tell you what, of course he knew. As a matter of fact, Jesus meant to offend them. And he said, stay away from them. They're blind leading the blind. They all fall in a ditch. He's talking about judgment there. And then Peter, he says, I don't understand. Now, you want to look at Acts chapter 10, you'll see it. Peter didn't understand this whole ministry to the Gentiles. And he had a vision in Acts chapter 10. A sheet is coming down, there's all kinds of four-footed beasts and, and animals, and Peter said, and, and and God said to Peter, Rise, Peter, slay and eat. And Peter says, Oh, nothing unclean has ever touched my lips and entered my body. And Jesus said, Don't call anything that I have created unclean. And see, Peter did he didn't understand. And here in verse 16, Peter Do you still not understand? And then Jesus went on to say, it's a rule of nature, Peter. What goes in your mouth and into your stomach is eliminated from the body. But the things that come out of the mouth is from your heart. And that's what defiles things like evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, and the list goes on. Jeremiah chapter 17 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And Jesus says, listen, if your hands aren't clean, that's not important, but the heart must be clean. That's the important thing. You see, I think somebody once said it like this. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And that's what Jesus is saying. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Now, get your pen. Three quick things. Got to move on. Three quick things that characterize legalism. And I want you to write these down. Three Three quick things I'm going to give you that characterize legalism. Number one, you want to notice legalism makes you a fault finder. You can find that in verse two. Notice they said, why do your disciples a fault finder? Now in Matthew, pardon me, Mark chapter seven, verse two, it says clearly, same story. They found fault. They found fault. In other words, you show me a legalist and I'll show you a sin sniffer, a fault finding gospel Gestapo. The little God squad. Going around pointing out everyone's wrongdoings, looking around. They can't wait to find someone to do something wrong. Aha! They're eating their croissant and they haven't washed their hands. Legalism makes you a fault finder. Number two, legalism makes a big thing out of trivial and small matters. Isn't that true? In verse three and four, you can find that they were upset because they didn't wash their hands. Mark tells us they were worried about the pots and the cups and the plates and the tabletops being washed in the right ceremonial way. And isn't it true of church folks, religious folks? They're upset about trivial things. People want to argue over how you were baptized. Were you dunked, sprinkled, immersed? Was it in a pool, in the lake? Was it at the first church of the frozen chosen? Where, you know, where where was it? Small things. Look, I, I don't care. And I honestly doesn't, don't think Jesus cares. I say go to Toys R Us, get a big super soaker, and let's just soak everybody. <laughs> I'll throw them off a pier. That would be one way to mortify the flesh. I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? You understand? Say amen if you understand what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say, don't make... you. Small stuff, trivial stuff, they make a huge doctrinal thing. You know, people want to know here, you're a pastor of church? Yeah, you guys had a choir? And, you know, if they're from church backgrounds, choir. You got a choir? You know, it's like, it's not choir, it's choir. My brother, you got a choir? It's like, y'all got pews? Y'all have choir robes? Do you have chairs? You know, stained glass, pipe organ, keyboard, what do you have? You know, I tell them, well, you know, we we actually meet in the business park. We wear shorts and T-shirts and suits and ties, whatever they want. And on Christmas Eve, we have a big party and we dance and dance. Christians dancing. You know, they would have came here yesterday. and Give kid a chance. Oh, they would have freaked out. (laughs) All the Christians, even the pastors up front. "Yeah, Yeah, Oh, yeah. Christians dancing. Oh, you mean can Christians dance? Well, you know what I say. Some can and some can. (laughs) I can. Some of y'all can. But see, legalism leads to fault finding and makes big things out of little things. Amen, saints? You understand that. And then also, lastly, you got to close. Legalism seeks to put people under their same rules. And legalists, have you noticed, they are some of the meanest, grumpiest, most miserable people. And misery loves company. So we are miserable. Why aren't your disciples miserable? It's like, you know, wipe that smile off your face. You're a Christian. You know, we're miserable, so you should be miserable. And the Bible says, saints, we are free in Christ. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, remember it, highlight it, tattoo it to your mind, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. We're we're, We're not bound, we're free. And the key to understand the right way to be a Christian is to forget religion. Forget religion. Throw it away. The only thing that God wants you to do is found in the word of God. And if somebody tells you you should be doing this or you should be doing that, then just nicely, lovingly, in a very Christian way, say, excuse me, brother, sister. Is that in the Bible? And if it is, show it to me. And if that's in the Bible, I won't do it. I will stop, cease and desist right away because I don't want to disobey the word of God. But if it's not in the Bible, then it becomes an area of Christian liberty, which is a whole nother subject. We cover that in legalism versus love in the area of Christian liberty and, and, and your liberties are, are your liberties. So be careful about that. The Bible says stand fast in your liberty. And don't be entangled. Stand. That means to, to, to take a stand and don't let anybody push you into legalism. Christ has made you free from performance, from the expectations of others. He made us free from dominion and the domination of Satan. We're free from the power and the penalty of sin. John chapter 8 verse 36 says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are what, saints? Free indeed. And don't allow that freedom to take you to the place of sin. Grace. Grace. Yeah. Grace gives us the freedom not to. Amen.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times,